Welcome to Bold Becoming Identity Retooled. This podcast is where we explore the landscape of the immensity of landmines that exist for people who've lost their sense of identity, who've been shaken to the core, and are relearning who they are now that a part of them is lost. It's stories of how people manage this struggle, regain their footing, and the gifts they've discovered along the way. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Susan. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And today we have Susan Burrell. She's an intuitive healer and spiritual guide. And the topic that we're going to talk about on about identity loss, unexpected identity loss, overcoming unexpected identity loss is um, being married to a narcissist and her marriage fell apart. And so sort of the before before, middle, and after of that story of your life, how does that sound? <laughs> uh, well, it's an interesting story, and I and and unfortunately, I think many people, a lot of women especially, have gone through something like what I went through. I just didn't know, I, you know. And and usually, women that come out of a narcissistic relationship go, I, I, you know, they didn't know. We blindsided, right? You don't know. excuse me you don't know what you don't know exactly until until you are able to look backwards and go oh wow and there's and then you can see all the little signposts you know that oh I should have turned left I really should have turned left then (laughs) that kind of stuff so yeah so I I was uh got married at a young age I consider it young because now I'm oh so old now Julie (laughs) I got married at a young age of 25 it was a whirlwind romance. We got married within, we decided to get married three, three weeks after we met. Oh boy. That is, um, mm-hmm. and I, I was he said all the right things. He said all the right things, which is a, what a, a narcissist, a person with a, nar- a narcissistic personality disorder. So, so it's not like something that can ever be recognized and fixed and let's point that out because narcissistic narcissism is being used left right and center right now Mm -hmm. and it's not always the same as like a dsm diagnosis of a personality disorder and one of the hallmarks of narcissistic personality disorder a clinical like diagnosis is that the person doesn't even realize they have a problem. And so actually they actually like never like get fixed because they don't even, they, they are like incapable or at least they don't. That's sort of why they fit that definition is that they don't, they're not able to recognize they have a problem. No, so this exactly. Is, this is different than having a big ego. This is like, it's a, just a different- uh, Although a big ego comes, a big ego comes with a narcissistic personality. Uh, we've seen it in the White House, right? Uh, yes. So, uh, yeah. So my um, my ex-husband now, uh, like I said, we. But I'm trying to like figure out what to say here. Um, he was kind Just of sort of tell your story. Well, like he was kind of pursuing me, which is what happens with narcissists. They go, "Ooh, bright and shiny over there. I want that." And, and by, I want that, what they really mean, which they don't understand they mean is I want that energy. I want to grab onto that energy. 
I want to suck that energy out of that person. So oftentimes, uh, narcissists are attracted to um, empathic people, compassionate people, kind people, um, smart, successful, well, successful, um, and that kind of stuff. So, uh, so I didn't know. When I first met him, I was like, I, I don't want to go out with you. I don't want to go out with you. And he pursued me and pursued me until I finally said yes. And then, of course, he walked in on our first date into the bar, you know, with all these, all these uh, symbols that um, I had already intended because I knew I wanted to have a, a long-term relationship. So I'd written down a set of intentions of what I wanted in the relationship down to wearing cowboy boots and riding a motorcycle. Okay, that's where I was. But also spiritual, uh, you know, he, he, so he tells me he's reading The Course in Miracles. And I was like, okay, we, you know, this maybe. And then we're in LA on this date and we go outside and we see a shooting star. In LA, in actually Hollywood, there's a shooting star. I was like, oh, this is cosmic. This is like, wow, this is, I better pay attention to this. And so one thing after another, he, he wooed me, he pursued me, then he wooed me, and then he married me. And then it, it just kind of, I don't know. And so three years in, basically two to three years in, he, he wasn't necessarily holding a job. I was working my ass off. Um, he was staying out late when he did get a job, he was staying out late and would come home and I'm the wife home alone going, where were you? And, um, and he would say, well, you just have to trust me. And, and my inner voice, so this Whoops. is where, right. I, I was very intuitive and did not actually know it because by the time I met him, I still hadn't developed a strong sense of myself, right? Mm -hmm. So I was of the generation where uh you look for love outside of yourself and somebody so validates your worth exactly yeah exactly and so here's this guy doing all that validating and saying he loves me and he'll be with me forever and and um i mean just really some crazy poetic romantic stuff that i bought into because uh narcissists are really good at telling a story using all the key components because they get to know their um, target. Somehow they know their target and they, he knew, so he knew if he mentioned course in miracles, I, I would go, I'd bite on that. And if he mentioned these other things, I'd bite on that. I'd bite on that. And so, um, so yeah, so three years in this whole, I, I couldn't trust him. Um, I was managing all our money. Um, he was blaming me for spending the money, which I, I wasn't, we could barely pay our bills kind of thing. And, and then he was inviting me to trust, to trust him. I should trust him. He's my husband. I should trust him. And end of my twenties was horrific because I intuitively in the back of my mind knew I was in a bad marriage, knew I knew I should get out. But I didn't know how. And I remember talking to my mother every day. And she's like, well, do you want to divorce him? And I'm like, no, I married him. I want to be married to him. I mean, it's 
So they're very good. So you A, you get wooed. B, then you start getting gaslighted, right? And the gaslighted thing is, you should trust me. I, I wasn't doing anything wrong when I was out until two in the morning with some woman. Wow, you know, another time he comes home, I realize he doesn't have his wedding ring on. What? what Where's your wedding? Well, I was at work. He worked at a restaurant. I was washing my hands and I must have left it on the sink. I bought I bought that one. Oh, well, so then I buy him another wedding ring, you know, because he lost it. The man never took off his wedding ring as far as I knew. But at that point, I bought it. That was six years in. You know, and no children at this. Not no, because I knew I didn't really want to have kids. At that point, I thought I didn't want to have kids. I didn't realize that all the alarm bells were going off. Right. But then what happened is um, the stress of him being in and out of jobs, the, the pressure I felt having to hold a job and sometimes two jobs. Um, so we had money to pay bills and the stress of not having enough money to, you know, breaking into a sweat, writing a check at a grocery store so I could just, you know, hope they don't cash it before in I can time. put money in. It oh was, it was, it, it was horrible. Um, so consequently, how, what, what's the age difference going on between you? He was you? two years older than me. Okay. So you're, you're, you're basically the same age. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so eventually, um, nine years in, wow, nine uh, years, nine years in, I got pregnant, but prior to that, I, uh, I became, I started to die. I became a type one diabetic immediately. Once it was diagnosed after I'd gone, I'd lost all my, all my, uh, all my pudginess. And I was so thrilled. I was losing weight, eating like meals, you know, enough for like 10 men. Cause I was starving and eventually my muscles were eaten away. And, and finally, um, and he was living with me and he wasn't paying attention. And finally we went out, he made me go out. I thought I had the flu. This is a precursor to becoming to, this is what happens when you be, as you're becoming a uh, diabetic type one diet, insulin dependent. Uh, went out to, he forced me to go out to dinner. I, and his friends are looking at me and they all pulled him aside and said, what's wrong with you? He, she's sick. You need to take her to the hospital or the doctor. So the next morning we went, the doctor looked at me, looked at my latest blood test, which I got, but didn't understand and went, oh my God, you're diabetic. And I got rushed to the hospital. You could have totally gone into a coma, like I in was, an instant. According to the doctor, the endocrinologist, I was um, 24 hours from coma and like 32 hours from death. How she knew it was that close, I don't know, but it, it was bad. And so then I had to learn how to four times a day, five times a day, test my blood, scared the, I was the kid that was bouncing off the walls when you would go get your vaccines, you know, at the pediatrician. I, I was like, oh my God. But he was good about helping me calculate because he, he had a good math brain at the time. And he could help me calculate any carbohydrates to insulin. So I thought, oh my God, he's such a blessing. And, you know, and then uh, three weeks after I got out of hospital, we were, we went to his family's house for Christmas across the country. And as soon as we put our bags in our 
bedroom. He was out playing. He has seven. He has seven, eight brothers and sisters. So he's out playing with his brothers and sisters. And I'm in there having low blood sugar, shaking, trying to put a lunch together and not understanding how much insulin I need to take and, you know, and asking him to come in to help me. And, and he just, I was broken. <laughs> I was broken by then. And so he didn't want anything to do with me. But so everybody, I was married 28 years. I stayed 28 years ignoring myself, ignoring my intuition. I, after I, I regained my health enough um, from the diet, you know, becoming diabetic, I, my son, I have one son, uh, immediately wanted to be born. He like came in, I can, I don't even remember having sex. And my son, all of a sudden I'm pregnant. I was like, oh man, alive, do I want to do this? And of course I did. <clears throat> and because I knew immediately th this little sweet, bright light that as soon as I was pregnant, I knew that was who it was. And my son's now uh, going to be 29. Well, my son just turned 29. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a fabulous stage now, right? After you get through the teenagers and the the early twenties it's now it's a lovely time. Yeah, it was. So anyway, um, but, but let me, before, before you, before you go into, let, let's pick up the story where you're leaving off. I want to know what happened. What was your identity? Who were you that leading up to that diabetic, um, crisis? Because it's, you know, like, how did you like just like bring me into a, those days of when you were really <clears throat> heading towards death actually right well so you're uh <clears throat> i had very low self-esteem i did not realize it um going into that marriage i was uh i was a commercial actress and i was pursuing acting um, which is another whole nother thing about, you know, uh, the rejection process when your esteem is not strong and then it gets dinged on a daily basis with a narcissist, you know, and it, 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 I couldn't get arrested, you know, and, um, and so my identity was tied up with my externals, you know, that I'm an actress, I'm, I'm a wife, I'm, you know, and then. I had my son, I'm a mother. It wasn't ever me. I didn't know me, but I did in my twenties before I got pregnant, I studied with a couple of medicine women and a, a shaman to get to know me, you know, because I, I intuitively knew uh, this uh, low self-esteem person that I had really become wasn't me. It how did you know truth. how did you know that you said intuitively so how did you it, well it because a lot of people overlook is, that their entire life right uh i think that's what drew me to to studying metaphysics and studying with um shamans and met, this medicine woman and um because i was trying to find that sense of me of you know if yeah i'm an actress but who am i really you know, yeah, I'm a what, but who am I really? And, um, and it really wasn't, Julie, until 
I got, uh, well, wait a minute. I thought, okay, so later in my marriage, I was, I started studying metaphysics. Um, I was taking classes. I became a, a spiritual practitioner. I really thought I was really beginning to know who I was. And then I got called to get a master's degree in consciousness, which was a four-year accredited program studying uh, studying philosophy and psychology and quantum physics and uh, world religions and, you know, everything. And I, I just thrived in that environment. And I really, my mantra through the whole thing was I wanted to be fully me. I wanted to be fully me. And so in the, in that, I, I came out of it. I got my, uh, my master's degree and my, in the circles I was, I was in, I was seen and heard. Right. And those, but other, I, I than, go, other than at home with your husband. Right. So I would go to a retreat and th three day retreat and just feel so juiced up and loving myself, loving life, loving, you know, the universe. And I would get home and, and, and the shaming and blaming would start at, I, as soon as I stepped through the front door, you know, there were so many things and it was my fault. It was all, this is another thing. It's always, they, yeah. they will, um, part of the gaslighting is, uh, you know, like they'll tell you, you didn't, you, you misplaced your keys, you know, st stupid stuff. Um, and then they, then they'll make it up to you by saying how much they love you. So, so you don't know if you're coming or going, you know. Sounds and, a lot like a domestic violence thing where there's, it, there's this a blaming and abuse, emotional or, and or physical, and then, and then the honeymoons. Where, exactly, where they're like, Julie. oh, you know, I love you. And, exactly. you know, I'm so sorry. I'll never be like that again. And then the cycles just keep spiraling and right. downward basically except he never he never apologized there was no physical abuse but the mental and emotional abuse i i have just recently worked myself out of the post-traumatic stress triggers mm -hmm. i mean loud noise. i was i'm a pts a loud noise and i'm on the ceiling my adrenals had were pumping because what happened is um as my son hit his senior year of high school, um, my ex-husband halfway through his, my son's senior year says that it's not working. It, first, he says, we got to go see a, ther uh, a counselor, which we had before. And he always opted out because after three sessions, he's fixed. It's my problem, right? Uh, and so I said, okay, here we go. He's, he's asking, all right, I'll go. The first session, the woman tells me how we're there because I yell at him. Again, he's enlisting help to blame me. By the third session, she totally understood he was at fault. So hold on. Let me just point this out to the audience. People with narcissistic personality disorders are very good at having other, even highly trained professionals believe their side of the story. And so when you go to a therapist, it's not unusual for the therapist to side with this other person and believe that, you know, their side of the story, it's just, it's, it's so incredibly difficult to extricate yourself and really understand 
what's going on because not only the person is gaslighting you, but then the professionals sometimes, and it, it can be like a lot of professionals can be bamboozled by people with narcissistic personality or they're just, they're really good at painting the picture the way that they see it. Oh, that's very kind of you to put it that way. What do you mean? I, th I think they're really good at lying. <laughs> and I think they're really good at cheating because, as you said earlier, they don't know that that behavior is wrong. They, they get away with it. They think it's okay. Um, they don't know that they are uh, misogynists. They don't know that they are sexual harassers. They, they just don't know because they get away with it because they're really good at lying, telling a story that people can buy into or, oh, well, I can forgive him or stuff like that. But in, in my experience and, my, and what I've witnessed, <clears throat> uh, they're liars, they're cheats. And, and it's not necessarily in, because they want to be vindictive. They just don't know. They just have no... That's why it's a disorder, you know, they just don't know. Right. So, um, so eventually push came to shove. My, my ex-husband's family was calling me saying, do you know he's doing this? Do you know this? And I finally thought, you know what? I'm going to file for divorce. It took, it was so hard for me to let go of that marriage. Isn't but that wait, why did, why did he, um, asked to go to therapy because isn't that unusual also i think it's un unusual um he was already in another relationship he'd been in several i would have to take off my shoes to count all fingers and toes oh, uh which i which were Ouch. hidden from me i was ignoring i was not like the you know missing his wedding ring and he left it on that sink in a, in the restaurant he worked at, you know, no, he, he put it in a pocket and it got lost. Uh, so, um, because he was already in a real relationship that, uh, he wanted, I think he wanted to have the therapist basically say, you guys should break up, you know, you guys really, you know, I think he, he cause they're never going to do it. He's not going to do it because it makes them look bad. They do not like to lose face. Just really people need to think about the person that was in the white house. They don't like to lose face. So, um, they don't want to say I made a mistake. Let the other person say that they've had it. Right. And then you can say, well, that's their problem. It's nothing about me. It's their. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so eventually I got to a place where I recognized the marriage was over. I was, I was beating a dead horse and hitting my head against the wall. And so I finally filed for divorce and, um, and my son, and wait, the family, the family was telling you, yeah, they, had, st they started helping you instead of him. Cause that's unusual too, right? Well, uh, yeah, he had gone to, they, I, I, I became very close with several of the other in-laws and um and so they were the ones calling me saying you know he's at the family reunion which i chose not to go to telling everybody he's going to divorce you he's going to marry this other woman he's hiding money 
That's the one that got me, the hiding money. Uh, so that's why I went and filed. And, uh, and he was constantly telling me there was no money. So, you know, I was in my Target special outfit I bought with, you know, bringing an empty, almost empty box with tax returns. And the, my lawyer I ended up hiring um, looked at the tax return and just did a happy dance, you know, because there was money. Uh, so anyway... So what occurred is this, I filed, I got a strong lawyer. I followed his suggestions most of the time um, because I was, I was traumatized, everybody. I was traumatized. Mm -hmm. So just the idea of leaving the marriage, I, I, I didn't know where th that there would be money. I didn't know how I was going to live. I had chosen to, to, um, to be a, a stay-at-home mom for my son, because my husband was building a business empire, you know, so all oh, together we chose, right? We chose. So it was degrading. The divorce process was degrading. I had to go see a counselor to see what kind of job I could get. And I had to do the um, personality test, right? That tells you you're a, you're an impact. Well, that told me I'm in the exact right place with a, a, a degree in consciousness counseling people, being an actress, I, I, I was doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And was I going to make money at it? We, I don't know. But, um, and I was already, but your I inner compass was not broken. Well, that's exactly right. Thank God there was something. And so the process of divorce for me became about healing myself from the inside out. That was the transition. That was the change of identity, if you will, Julie. Because I, I, as after as I was getting ready to file, I realized I didn't know myself. I didn't love myself. I didn't respect myself. I, I, I was like, what? Who am I going to be when he's not here? Where am I going to live? Who's going to? What man is going to want my body? Because I had been told you know, that I wasn't beautiful. I didn't have a sexy body by my spouse, you know, for 28 years. So, um, so I had to really pull out all my, um, tools that I use when I counsel other people and use them on myself even more. I had to, uh, really begin to dig into why did I stay that long? What was it within me that thought I was worthless? Because they like to find people that maybe don't have strong self-esteem because it works better for them if they can really denigrate you, uh, you know, and trample you because it makes them look better when they're being kind to you in front of other people. They, they're not doing it in the house, but outside they will. So, <clears throat> so I, that's what I did. I started doing, um, I journaled. I, I'm a bit, I'm big on journaling, meditation um reading uh co contemplative stuff stuff that makes you think not not just here's a self-help book and here's what you do to fix yourself that those never really worked for me believe me i started looking for that book when i was 16 <laughs> the book of life they nobody wrote it i haven't found it yet but so um so as i was going through this course he became exactly who he was. All of a sudden, the mask was off. The gloves were off. If I thought of him, if I talked to my lawyer 
within 30 seconds of that conversation, I would get a nasty phone call. He knew he was that energetically tied in to me. So my job began, became cutting all those energy hooks that he had in me. And, and at one point, Julie, I was, I remember standing in my kitchen. And I just felt like I was just, Suffocated. I was covered. Well, I was covered in this trench coat thing, you know? And I was like, I got to take this. It wasn't a real trench coat, energetic trench coat. And I was like, I got to take this off. And I would take it off. And I was like, oh my God, and here's another one. And so I was constantly peeling layers, right? Or cutting cords. At one point I was like wrapped in a fisherman's net and cutting the cords. And every time I cut a cord, I'd get, I get a mean text. Because he could mean, feel that you were breaking he could away. Feel it. And I'm telling you guys, within seconds, I was getting these nasty texts. So I had to block him. I I had to um, You weren't living with him anymore. No. Oh, oh, oh. Well, you know, when I first filed for divorce, he thought he could stay in the house with me. And gee, wouldn't it be a good idea if we both did Weight Watchers so we could come out of this? <laughs> <laughs> So we could both come out of this marriage looking great. Well, who's going to be cooking the, sorry, the, the Weight Watcher meals, you know, it wasn't going to be him. So finally he left, you know, he, he, oh my God, it's just, that story is crazy too. So um, he became very controlling of the money. He, and like I said, there was money hidden, although to the day he dies and we all get to find out what's actually in his estate. Um, he will deny that he hid anything. Uh, he was using my son against me. Mm -hmm. You need to tell your mom, you know, we, she, she and I should just go out for a glass of wine and, you know, we can write a number on the cocktail napkin and be done with this divorce. She's the one making oh, it yeah. hard. She's the one. And my son would come parroting those words, parroting those words. And, um, caught in between that is it was so horrible. Oh, and that's what bad for kids. And that's what narcissists do. And my son was 18. That's what narcissists do. They will manipulate so that they look good and 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 make you look bad. And they'll use anything available. And in, unfortunately, it was my son. And my son still hasn't, he's much more educated about his father now. But for a while, I mean, he, he can, I mean, eight, five years afterwards, eight years afterwards, he kept thinking we'd get back together. Well, kids don't know who to believe. Right, exactly. They, they and and I believe. kept telling him, I never, I never trashed my husband, my ex-husband to you. my son. I really tried not to. I had friends that I could do that with. Right. You know, I, I created a circle of friends that I could, I could call one woman to say, look at this email. Do I respond to it? Nasty email. Or help me figure out uh, what I need to write for the lawyer so it gets done. Um, come with me to the court. Uh, make me laugh, listen to me cry, pray for me. I mean, I had, I had a, an arsenal of really amazing women and that was so helpful. And um, because I had suppressed so much throughout my entire life, but especially during that marriage, I, um, I, I started exhibiting other um, symptoms. So I broke out in hives I had hives from my eyelids down to my ankles for one year. Ouch. Oh my I think God. I was high free three days out of that year. I, if I saw my ex-husband like at court or in a parking lot, I would get dizzy, just dizzy. Like I, I, one day I saw him walking across his parking lot and I was in my car, I was getting ready to go. 
I had to sit there for 15 minutes until I could drive because I was so dizzy. Now, those to me are symptoms of suppressed rage. I was enraged. Hence, mm -hmm. it was coming out through my skin. Hence, it was making me dizzy. So if anybody's listening, you have symptomology like that, take a look at it. What, what, because the causes you, any, in my belief system, in my personal experience, any dis-ease is generally first initiated from an emotional causation or belief that you're not addressing, right? So, um, so like in terms of becoming diabetic, I kept thinking, well, if I die, then they'll love me. I almost died. You know, it was, and did he love me more? No, no. Um, so the shift for me was, became about me focusing on me. And lots of women in our generation don't, we were, ne I was never taught to focus on me. Mm -hmm. I, I had a mother, stay-at-home mother who cooked for us and took care of us and drove us places and, you know, made life fun, but she wasn't taking care of herself. She became obese. You know, she, she didn't love herself. Um, and so that, Hey, that's where I, I watched that behavior so as a role I, and, model. Yeah. And subliminally yeah. I took that on. And, and, so not, and not when, just your role model, but it was society's implicit expectation of women. You know, right. I mean, there was in her generation, basically uh, like so I'm turned 64, like next week or something. And so my mom, her generation, like women could be nurses or teachers right. or stay at home moms, housewives, housewives, housewives. Who, who also did the cooking, cleaning, shopping and all that. Yeah. Right. And so it's, that was, that's just, that's just what was available. Well, and Let, Julie, so I'm the same age as you. And so I, I remember being in high school and then uh, college and the women's liberation movement was fully, I mean, I saw Gloria Steinem speak a couple of times when I was in my uh, teens and twenties, you know, and I thought she was brilliant. Right. And, and, it, and at that point, my college didn't have any women's history courses. I went to UC Berkeley. I was 21 and I took women's uh, what was it called? Women's studies. Mm -hmm. And at 21, I learned the word feminist. And I'm like, yep. oh my God, I am not fucking crazy. The rest of the world is as wrong as I've always thought them to be with this gender discrimination. And, and it was so liberating to realize that, that this word encapsulated this hideous struggle that I and other women for eternity have been living under this oppression. Yeah. And that that's in fact, when I realized, yeah. Yeah. And that's when I realized I will always be a woman's advocate. I will advocate for women. Um, and yeah, we could, you know, we should just have a different podcast talking about that because I talk about that a lot on my show is the, the patriarchal suppression for eons. And how right now we're being so shook up that um, the patriarchal implants are collapsing. And that's why we're seeing the chaos around the planet. That's why we're seeing the wars. That's why we're seeing the dysfunctional. That's why we're seeing 
the mass shootings because the patriarchy, the way people were taught to believe is no longer in charge and it's hanging on like my ex-husband did with those hooks that I had to cut, hanging on with their fingernails. And it, and it could be another 20 years before we get out from under it. But it's we're getting, the, but there's it's hope. It's the emperor with no clothes. Oh my God, see? Go ahead and use that because patriarch, I, I gave up that fight in fifth grade. It's in my book. Like the first story of my identity loss was, I gave up fighting gender discrimination and anyway, then my life changed. But let me ask you, um, I forget where we were, but I didn't want to interrupt you. But what I want to know is how did this happen? You were in your marriage, you were doing this four year degree on consciousness, you like discovered who you were, and were like totally, this is who I am. But then then when you were doing your divorce, you said you didn't know who you were. So right. So what the, happened so there? Well, so there there was um, because I was so challenged and heart shattered, right? Because the marriage was over, it was a heart shattering experience for me. And so I all my pieces of me, stuff known stuff, shattered and with stuff, it. All, all broke apart and so mm. I had to rebuild from okay. the inside out it uh, when I thought I knew myself and I could stand in my power it was on a it had been built on a faulty foundation right because I was still in this external validation situation exactly and and this uh relationship that was denigrating me 24 7 and and so I if I got a foothold into whom into me I would be decimated. and he made wait, wait it, you he, would be what you the, the, would decimate is... me oh god yeah because and and he started doing it publicly Ooh, um, yuck. and making it me and and beating me emotionally until I would say it's me and my son says all you guys did was yell at each other and I yelled and yelled and yelled Julie because I wasn't being heard yeah yeah. And I was being, I was being bullied. I was being traumatized. I was being shamed and blamed and, and nobody in my household, because it was just my sweet son could stand up for me. And nobody else outside of my household knew what I was experiencing. So, um, so you were standing up for yourself. It just wasn't working because it was impossible. It wasn't going to work with this person because he wasn't able to see what, you know, what needed to be. Right. So, uh, so that, and that's why the divorce became highly contentious. It was, it was a brutalizing divorce. But why um, did it become highly contentious? Because he wasn't going to give an inch. He wasn't going to give. He wasn't going to let go of anything. And he certainly wasn't going to let go of me energetically, even though he already had, you know, wifey number three lined. I was number two. Then he had wifey number three lined up in the, in the, you know, and, um, and then she wised up and dumped him. You know, it's just this. So now he has another wifey number three that he just divorced and there's wifey number four living with him. She's not married. They're not married yet, but oh boy. 
And my son now is watching this with open eyes as a, as an adult and seeing this and comprehending more. And, and the sadness for me, because I'm, I'm doing tons better. So besides doing my own spiritual practice and, and I would, uh, I would do guided my guided meditations for myself. I I am it's a skill set I have that just meditations flow in. Uh, so I would sit down if something showed up that I couldn't get a, my head around. I would sit down, open up, and allow my higher self to lead me in meditation to a way to alleviate the pain, mm -hmm. uh, erase the shame, um, all that stuff. That's advanced. So, That's advanced. Oh, it's think well. It was it was helpful. It was really really helpful. Not and everybody actually, has access to that kind of insight and direction from within. This is anyway, this is super exciting to hear about. Well, thank you. And, I and like I actually, did you develop that or was it just sort of there or th this is go ahead. I had been doing guided meditations for years for other people um and okay. clients and stuff like that and i often when i work with a client i will when they can't quite get to the the nut of what it is they want to shift mm -hmm. or release or integrate i will often um, be inspired to lead them in a guided meditation that just comes through so mm -hmm. um in fact i'm starting a monthly monday morning monthly guided meditation group um that we will meet once a month and I will uh, intuitively create guided meditations for the people in the group. Um, like on the but, spot guided meditations for the yeah. group? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, and then they, so, but it'll be a group meditation. It won't be, so everybody can say, I want more peace in my life. I want less stress. I want, and then all of that will be uh, folded into a guided meditation that they, they'll receive the recording and they can listen to for the month until the next time we meet mm. um, and there's some other stuff i'll drop in during the month but uh because of this journey through divorce and coming out loving myself more respecting myself more um all of those things um i not only found a beautiful amazing man who loves me and sees me and accepts me for who i am um and supports I, you and supports me amazingly um, and he's fun to be with. He makes me laugh. We travel internationally. He's, safe. Um, it, he's very safe. He's very kind, kind. And that was when I knew I was ready to get into another relationship. I did another intention list and kind was at the top of the list. And this man is just so kind and, and fun and it, it, it's fabulous. But I also then wrote a book called um live your empowered life a 30-day journey book and <coughs> excuse me it's a workbook that interfaces with my website um because i i realized there's guided meditations that people need to experience and then there's certain other um mind shifting modalities like eft tapping or creating a life purpose things like that so there's videos and guided meditations that interact with the book <clears throat> excuse me plus i have um affirmations that i wrote during my divorce and and i've been writing affirmations for myself and others for years so i created um 
inspirational cards. And those are in, also interactive with that, with my book, Live, in, Live Your Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. Uh, and that all came out, all the stuff that I worked and practiced while I was going through divorce so I could come out whole and feeling better about myself and loving myself more, all, all got put into the book. So that it's all, in my mind, it's all proven um, modalities. It's your, it's your living, lived truth. Yes. That's very well said, Julie. Thank you. Yes. It is my lived truth. So um, do I still have times, uh, bouts of feeling not worthy? Yeah. But they're, they, they last maybe five minutes now, not five years. And, um, and I'm able to refocus on the truth of my being, which is that I am love and I am light and I am healthy and I am happy, you know, happier than I've ever been in my entire life. And, and it was necessary to leave that marriage so that I could live a life and be happy and know myself and recognize that, you know, life is really good and you don't have to be in a shit relationship. So besides that, that four year consciousness degree, what from your childhood, what strength from your childhood helped you recognize and work your way out of that relationship? That's a really good question. I don't know that I have an answer. Because, um, because my mother had narcissistic qualities. So I was being, I was being trained. To accept see. it to, to be, that's, that was my life. I, I had to cater to other people and not have, and be over-responsible, hence diabetes, over-responsible to others to make them happy. It was important to make other people happy, not make me happy. And I think women our age, we were kind of taught that, you know, you got to serve the others. People first, pleaser. You know? yeah. Right. You, you put dinner on the table and you're the last one to sit down. And then you're the last one to relax because dishes have to be done. It's that kind of a, a mentality, right? So um, what strength or gift from my childhood? I think I just became, well, when I was going through uh, preceding my diabetic stuff, I had this affirmation that kept running through my head. I, I am strong. I am courageous. And I forgive myself. I'm strong, I'm courageous, and I forgive myself. Where that came from, I don't remember why. But I think I, I my father has said to me that he's always seen me as strong and courageous. So, um, yeah. And the other gift is um, I'm intelligent and I'm, I'm curious that way. Uh, so I'm always... I, I guess I'm one of those life students, Julie. I'm always going to be learning. It's part of why I've, I'm a podcaster. I get to interview amazing people, right? Right. Uh, right. That, that have written incredible books or have an incredible story. And I learn so much. And then I can apply it to me or utilize some of their tools for my tools and, uh, and keep growing and learning and evolving and changing. And, you know, I'm all the change kind of sucks sometimes, but we all got to do it. So, um, yeah, that's a growth mindset that we're always looking for improvement and we know we can change 
and yes, and we're willing to upset the apple cart. Like sometimes we come up against these belief systems that that have seemingly been set in stone for us. And then we realize, wait, wait, this one part of it, like it needs to go. And then it and then it disrupts everything. And then we just recombobulate. We're not I love that. Recombobulate. We're not, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not afraid of 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 change, basically. As, as well, my I'm, book is entitled, we're, you know, masters of change. We're we just like, we're gonna do it. Whatever it costs. Master it. When we it makes sense. It. Yeah. 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 So let's see, we're coming up on the hour and let's, before you um, like tell us what you do and where we can find you online and, and give us a couple of takeaways, you've already like filled up the hour with all kind of insights. Um, but if you do have like a couple of takeaways, but before we do that, let's get a, a snapshot a before, middle, and after identity picture of of you, like before <clears throat> before you went into this marriage, who were you? In the depths of the marriage, who were you? And now, who are you? Uh, well, before I was I was pretty innocent and gullible, and um, and and took took statements at face value. And now, mind you, I was um, an actress, so I got gaslighted a lot as a gullible, innocent person. Why um, does being an actress make that more? Because because Harvey Weinstein, yeah, Bill Cosby, that you know, mm, not all men in the industry are evildoers type of thing you know that's not true but there is a lot of judgment there is a lot of are you the right type uh judgment um before you even get to can you act um and uh so i was very innocent you know i i i kind of believed them when they said oh you're you know you're you're not right for this part which was in essence plugging into my family of origin you're not good enough so yeah i came from a you're not good enough. My, both my parents had low self-esteem. They they wouldn't tell you they did, but they did. Um, <clears throat> so, and then in the middle of the marriage, where I was so battered and beaten, I was worthless. I was less than worthless. I was that. I just believed. I I have I have a a board up in my office, and it. Can, can I read it to you? Yeah. It says, uh, I believe everything happens for a reason. People change so you can learn to let go. Things go wrong so that you can make them, you can enjoy them when they're right. You believe lies so you learn to trust no one but yourself. And sometimes things fall apart so things can come together. And I got that when I was divorcing and I put it in my bedroom and I read it every every day, every morning, every night as I was getting ready for bed and getting dressed and all that. Um, you know, you believe lies so you can learn to trust no one but yourself. So that's where I was in the middle of the marriage. And now 
I would call myself uh, an empowered woman. I'm happy. Um, again, there's, you know, the, this, this up and down dips, but they're not as huge. They're not earthquakes. No. And they're not, they don't put me out and I, I, and I don't break out into hives and, you know, so, um, yeah, so I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. And, uh, and that's important to be able to say that at some point, because if we can't say we were happy. Yeah. We, we, then, missed, we missed a few boats on the way. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Wow. Well, I am so glad you you made it through and grew and are out there helping other people do the same, basically. What what is it that you do? Give your give your spiel about who you are and what you do in the world now with all of this expensive life lessons behind you um sorry my dog has just realized that there's somebody outside okay um i i'm an intuitive healer and a spiritual guide and so i usually work with women who are at a crossroads often women that are in divorce and can't figure their way out or they they're in an unhappy marriage and they can't quite decide, do I get divorced or not? So I just give them skill sets and tools so they can figure that out for themselves. And generally, uh, because I have intuitive, uh, I listen on several different levels. So that's why guided meditations will drop in or uh, some kind of exercise. I always give homework, that kind of stuff. But that that's what I do when I work with clients. Um, I also am a podcaster. My podcast is empowering chats with Susan Burrell. And I talk to people just like you and me, Julie and authors. And, um, and it, it, it's interesting how the authors shift. Um, but it's, that's the best part of my job. I love that. And but what do you mean how the authors shift? Well, last, I just turned in my book for publication 45 minutes before getting on this call. <laughs> why, that's why we were supposed to talk, eh? Mm. Eight. Uh, in 2021, I was getting books on uh, near-death experiences and, uh, you know, authors and uh, life after death, um, stuff like that, and uh, or past life regressions, uh, you know, and so I was interviewing a lot and I was learning a lot about that stuff. Um, and then now what's happening is I'm getting lots of books about angels and archangels and um, spiritual entities and things like that. And that, because that's where I'm, he that's my current learning curve. So the books come to me from the publishers and I, I'm like, yeah, I want to talk about that. No, I don't want to talk about that. You know, and I'm finally at, think I'm finally at a choice point where I can pick and choose. Um, but the other thing I do, talking about guided meditations, is um, I have a plethora, a plethora, isn't that a lovely word? I love it. A, a plethora of guided meditations I've created that are on an app called Insight Timer. And um, eventually, the guided meditations from this group will end up on Insight Timer probably sometime I've next year. I've heard of that. And I don't know Insight. very much about apps, but I think I've heard of that. It's not hard to get to. Um, the you at the bottom of my website, susanburrell.com. This will um, be in the show a, notes. 
there's an insight timer icon and you can click on that and go straight to uh, where my guided meditations are held on their app. Um, the other thing is I have my book, Live Your Empowered Life, a 30 day journey. And you can see, uh, you can look that up on the website. If you're interested in joining, if people are interested in joining the Monday morning guided meditation group, that registration is on where I'm asking people to make a six month commitment so they can de actually develop or redevelop their meditation practice. Um, and so registration, I'm starting next week, next today Monday. is March 8th, 2023. Not exactly sure when I'm going to, um, publish this podcast, but within the next month. Okay. So if, if you, if you didn't get a chance to sign up for in the month of March, you can sign up for April, May, June, July. Uh, but at July we'll we'll stop the registration so people have a six month uh, dig in okay. to working the meditations. And there's something else I'm supposed to tell you, Julie. I can't think of what it is that I well, do. Did you tell us about your book? Yeah, Live an Empowered Life, Thirty Day okay. Journey. It's on the. It's on er, er, anything you want to know about Susan. It's on the website, basically, including. But they have, to, they, they the have to know why to why to look look you up. Um. And the website is called Susan Burrell, B-U-R-R-E-L-L.com. So. Okay. All right. Do you want to leave a couple of takeaways or, or how do you want to end this? Um, yeah. So I just want to invite people uh, that if you're, if you're feeling like you are stuck, one of the good things, uh, and it's in my book, one of the things I do, I do it almost daily now, is I journal. And I don't journal to talk about how my day went. I journal to get the belief systems out so I can see, okay, what am I actually thinking? Mm -hmm. And then, I, then I'm able to flip it and create an affirmation that I can focus on during the day. Like, I'm, I am happy, I am healthy, I am harmonious. That's my affirmation for actually the year right now. But uh, so journaling helps to get the, get the garbage out and then you can flip it and see what you want to choose to focus on. Right. The other tip I'll give. Because thoughts are on autopilot. We don't have really control right. of what comes in. We have control what we, what we do with what comes in. Exactly. Um, so the other thing tip I'll give everybody, um, it, it's an energy bath. So you want to do this with me, Julie? Go for it. Oh my God, I'm so ready. Okay, so what you're going to do is you're going to rub your hands together really, really fast until you feel that friction start. Mm -hmm. And that's the energy, right? So you're getting connected to energy. Can you feel it? Yeah, it's hot. All right. All right. Now, just slowly, just pull your hands apart just a little bit until pull. you can feel the tension between your hands. Pulling there should chi be a little... in, in yes. qigong. Exactly. God, so then what you want to do... Uh, now what you want to do is you want to give yourself an energy bath. So you're going to start at the top of your head, put your hands above your head, just about six inches. Don't touch. You don't have to touch. And then you're just going to ask that energy to pull anything negative, anything toxic, anything yucky, anything you don't need, and just move those hands down your head to your shoulders, your torso, your body front or back. Asking it just to pull off any negativity, asking it, moving your hands down your legs, 
your hips, your legs, anywhere where there's stuck energy, just ask that to pull it out around your knees, down your shins and calves, your ankles, and then just send that energy that you've pulled off of you into the ground, into Mother, Mother Earth, where it will be mulched and transmuted into some, something beautiful. And then when you're done with that, wipe your hands off because you don't want any residuals. Just clean them off like that. That's all you got to do. Yeah. And you can do that every day. You got the whole year of stress writing this book. <laughs> right? I, I literally, like, right before when I turned in, in my manuscript for the publication, I, I was like, okay, now how do I decompress? And how are you so, going to decompress? Well, you just helped me. Uh -huh. Do it daily. Really, yeah. do it do it every day because, uh, and you said Qigong, go back to that. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking for a, a Qigong class near me, but I haven't found one yet. I studied with a lady who was like 91 oh, or something. Wow. She came from China in San Francisco. She was like really something else. But I just, I'm really good at going to class. I'm really not so great at doing the homework. I'm, I'm really good at going to class and I'm really not so good at doing the videos. You know, like I got three yoga videos I did, I downloaded during pandemic. I didn't do any of them. Right. Yeah. Online by yourself. Like, mm -mm. No, class is not. Oh, if you, if you can't make it, then you can just watch the replay. Nope. Never get no. replays watched. Never. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been so fascinating. And I so appreciate you being, you know, here to tell your story because obviously you're not the only person who has um, had such a journey. And hopefully other people in the middle of those kind of struggles can can maybe get, maybe not spend 28 years in it i know i know i it's i uh that's why I, i'm so honest about it you know i i when i first started talking about it i was like oh my god what if he hears this and he's gonna come and kill me you know he's well he wouldn't kill me but you know he could make my life he could he would he could and um and so i was so grateful he had a wife because he was distracted and now he's got a, another girlfriend potential wife he's really distracted i'm like thank god but when I started talking about it, the, the you know, the, the, it was scary. And now I'm like, you know, there's so many people out there that need to know this and that you can get through it and you can have um, a fairly happy life. You know, I'm, I, like I said, I'm not without uh, triggers mm -hmm. that, that, you know, unfortunately my current spouse is finally understanding that he didn't really un understand why I, he'd come home and I'd be in the corner sobbing because my ex-husband did something horrible to my son mm -hmm. you know he's like can't you just forgive him but now he understands now he really understands trauma lives in the body it's not mm -hmm. it's not a logical thing it's it does its own <clears throat> thing yeah it does and my and my sweet husband like i said he's so kind and you know it doesn't it it, it, it he just had a different pov so yeah so now it's uh yeah. So now I'm just straight up. I'm, I, that's part of me finding my voice, you know, finding me again 
is I'm, I've always spoken truth and I'm just going to keep speaking truth. And, and that's the truth. Mm-hmm. So uh, in, in this particular life. Know your, lo- know your truth, speak your truth, live your truth. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. What's the name of your book you just sent in? It's called, <clears throat> excuse me. It's called Masters of Change. Mm-hmm. It's about, it's about forced change when the rug gets pulled out from under you. From personal experience? Uh, yes, it happens to be a theme in my life. I have mm, a handful of my own stories in the book. And fortunately, I have filled out the book with other stories of, of people, um, a bunch from my podcast interviews, and then some other random ones called secondary interviews that I just sort of got off the internet. Fabulous. And who's your publisher? New Degrees Press. Oh, I'm not familiar with them. It's a hybrid thing. It's like between self-publishing and old-fashioned publishing. Cool. Cool. Well, good luck with all of that. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. I'm just, like I say, I'm when I hang up here, well, I still have like a little few things to do tonight. And then after that, I can't like touch my book unless the copy editor says I need to change something. So yeah, Here's so I'm, I'm like gonna, gonna like just, you know, just sort of uh, decompress. De- decompress, decompress, yeah, decompress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All okay. right. Well, thank you, Julie. I appreciate your time and your good questions. I appreciate it. Good. Thanks for having me. And this has been Julie Brown on Bold Becoming. Hey there. The value that you got from this today, take it into your heart. Add value to it in your own life by putting it into practice and growing it to be part of your life, your daily habits, the takeaways that you got from this. Words and thoughts only take us so far. It's implementing on those words and thoughts that will change your life. Ideas are just ideas. Taking action on ideas is where growth happens and freedom emerges from growth. Freedom from our past invisible binding. We're here to grow and release ourselves from our past constraints. With awareness, intention, and through taking action on new choices, we evolve. In this process, we exalt our pain and suffering into wisdom that empowers us. We all have the ability to transform and become that person we yearn to be. If today's episode added value to your life, please share it with others. And make sure to subscribe to Bold Becoming Identity Retooled. And if you might, take a minute right now and leave a review so that others can find out about this podcast. If you'd like to contact me for one-on-one coaching or to get on the wait list for my Tough Stories workshop, send me an email and we'll be in touch. Be sure to check out our free Facebook group of Bold Becomers. The link's in the show notes.